This episode is sponsored by British Travel. British Travel specialise in travel between Australia and the UK and Europe. They offer payment plans on their flights, so you can book now with British Travel and pay off your trip over 12 months. Go to www.britishtravel.com.au Most expats will tell you that they dread the day they get some bad news from back home. But imagine if that news was yours, out here in Australia. I'm Carol Smith and I'm a breast cancer survivor travelling Australia. And I'm a Brit-Australian. In 2007, Carol from Dorset moved with her then Aussie boyfriend Adam from England to New South Wales. He always says that he bought baggage back from the UK. <laughs> Cheeky. Charming. <laughs> Twelve years later, the couple were married and living in Bensville, about an hour north of Sydney, with their two young boys. Now, Carol shares the story of her horrendous battle with breast cancer to help raise awareness for others. So October 2018? Yes, that's right. When you got the news, and I believe you were 36 at the time. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Basically, that year we decided we want to try for a third child. And we were pregnant, but we had two miscarriages. And... I think because of those miscarriages, I really was looking for something wrong. And I got my GP to check my breasts and she said everything was fine. Um, I felt something in the shower. I went back to my GP and said, look, I feel a bit stupid, but I found something. And she did all the tests. She got them all done. It was cancer. And it was just basically the biggest shock. My husband obviously got very upset and I was just sat there frozen I just remember it. I was just frozen, like solid, like completely. I couldn't move. I couldn't think about anything. It's like the whole, the whole room stood still. I'm guessing you didn't suspect that you actually had cancer. No, no, no. not not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. And it's all gone now. Well, as far as you can say, basically one of the things you live with after having cancer is the fear of recurrence. So, Carol, like when you talk about what you've been through, I just. I just really struggle to comprehend it. When you finish going through treatment of that kind, you don't really get the all clear. I mean, I did get very good um, results from the chemo, but you still have checkups. I had checkups every three months. So it's still playing on your mind every day. If you feel like a, a, a new pain in your back, your shoulder, anything like that, you do get anxious. You do get a bit paranoid. You do have to live with that for a little while. It gets better with time. Um, I feel much more confident now. But, I mean, you don't know with cancer. After treatment, you've got no guarantees that it's not going to come back. And it's it, it can be quite difficult to remain calm. And I think it's all very scary. <laughs> yeah, of course. But health-wise, you're fine now? Yeah, fine. So this year, this year it's five years since diagnosis and five years is kind of your benchmark. It's that one point that you want to get to. So all your cancer statistics are um, five-year survival period kind of thing. So five years is a really good point to get to. I'm pleased. But I had probably one of the best outcomes you can have from treatment. So basically I had chemo first, had five months of chemo. 
and then I had my double mastectomy. And when they biopsied the area where the cancer was, there was nothing left. Oh, bless you. (laughs) How does that feel? Obviously, you've had a double mastectomy and you would have lost your hair because you had quite long hair, I saw in your photographs. Very long hair, yeah. Yeah. Well, losing your hair is a whole other thing. It's just so... Because, I mean, my hair was so long, I, I kind of felt like it was part of my identity and everyone's hair is part of their identity like and having that taken away is very very it makes you very very self-conscious mm-hmm. and as well my son was just starting kindergarten so he started school just as I lost my hair so I had to go into new places and take him to school every day and there's me with no eyebrows well barely no eyebrows so I really felt strongly the moment I was diagnosed with breast cancer I was like get rid of them I don't want them they've betrayed me they, they're gone. My surgeon, literally on the day that I had my mastectomy, she popped up by the side of my bed and goes, are you sure? Sure you want them both gone? I can just take one for my peace of mind. You don't want to go through it again. No, I could have had reconstruction as well. I could have had implants put in straight after my surgery too. I mean, I have no boobs, but I embrace it as opposed to making me self-conscious. Going through all that makes you realise that things like appearance are not important. And your hair's growing back too. The worst thing was the eyebrows. When it actually all fell out, it was only like an eyelash length because I, I literally shaved my head before my, before my third chemo, I think. So after two chemos, I shaved it and hadn't lost it yet. But it gets really itchy and it gets quite painful because your hair's just given up. And it was really itchy one day. So I went into the bathroom and I literally wet my hands and put my hand through my, on my scalp and had a bit of a scratch because it was just feeling so uncomfortable. And I brought my hand away and there was thousands and thousands of eyelash length hairs just on my hands and just kept coming out. That was my birthday as well. Oh, <laughs> goodness me, that would have been quite a shock. Yeah, I guess yeah. it would have been one after another after another. Yeah, absolutely. Oof. I mean, that's difficult enough to deal with when you've got all of your family around you. I can't imagine going through that in Australia when all my family are in the UK and, you know, it just must have been, it must have been tough for you. Well, my parents happened to be over. They were in Tasmania. They come over quite a lot. They ended up extending their trip and they stayed till Christmas. So they were meant to go home. I also obviously have Adam's family. So his mum his um, sister both live in the area. So they were obviously a huge support to me as well. So I was, I was surrounded by people despite not living in the UK, despite having moved out here. Excellent. And I, I, so many friends pitched in as well. I had a friend who set up a, a food train and she got my other friends to come in and bring me food, all that kind of stuff. Did you ever consider moving back to the UK whilst you were having treatment? To be honest, no. With my type of cancer, I think I was completely blown away by the treatment and how quickly they were getting onto things. I didn't want to waste any time, but it was made clear to me that it was an aggressive type of cancer. Transferring a diagnosis to another country would have delayed things hugely, so it was never really an option. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, well, now that I've been in in Australia so long, I've probably got more friends and family in the one area in New South Wales where I lived than I do in the UK in one area. Because all my friends have dispersed, you know, and I haven't lived there for such a long time. I, I made it my aim, a, a huge effort, basically, to make friends and make a community for myself when I came to Australia. And I think if you're moving to a new country, that's what you have to do. You need your girlfriends, you need to make friends. 
around you. And that's what I did. And when I got diagnosed with cancer, they were all there for me. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> you know, when you got your diagnosis, did you yeah. have private health cover at the time? So we did have private health, but um, I didn't need to use it at all, except for one time. Um, so everything was covered through Medicare. Everything was public. I could have chosen... I know, it's absolutely incredible. And it was so quick. There's absolutely no delays or anything. They got me in as quickly as possible. Everything was done quick. I was so impressed. Do you think that Australia's healthcare system is pretty good then? When I was first diagnosed, my dad actually did a Google search about how good the healthcare system was for being treated for cancer. And Australia's definitely up there. It's really good. I've been completely impressed. And so how did your life change once you found out that you had cancer when I was diagnosed I was just at the point where I was just about to get a little bit of time to myself back after having kids at home for five years and my free days that I had ended up being spent in chemo (laughs) I mean it kind of I had to make keep it as normal as I could because I have had the two young boys I didn't want them getting worried or anxious or anything about what was going to happen to me so we kept it a little bit separate at what point then did you guys decide, right, that's it, we're off, we're going to go travelling? It started off being more Adam than me. When it all finished, he was just flat. He just wanted to get out and live, basically. So he suggested it to me and I was like, no. I was like, no way. I've literally just got my life back. I just want to get on with normal life. Just just give me you know, a little bit of time to have a normal life. But I think when you go through something like that, you realise that you're not going to be the exact same person that you were before. Yes. Um, and you won't fit back exactly where you were before, I think. Um, so travelling and having some quality time with the family was just the best thing that we could have done at that point. Yeah, it would have taken your mind off of things, I guess, as well, like completely new experience, something new every day. Yeah, Absolutely. Travelling was the best thing for me. It's such a distraction. I would recommend it to anyone. So your life obviously changed quite drastically. You would have had a home and did you have a job at the time? I wasn't working because I took time off for kids. So I hadn't been working for five or six years. I don't want to sell the house because I loved my house so much. We'd had it for 10 years and we'd renovated it and we'd designed it. And Adam's dad had helped us build it. So it was it was such a gorgeous place and I loved it. But you sold your house. Yep, we sold our house. Is that what's funding your trip now? That is, yeah. So what are you doing? Are you just going like, we want to see that, we're off, we're going to go there? Or do you have it more planned in advance? Well, the route was originally to do the full lap clockwise. But obviously... Wow, that is a big drive. It is, yeah. (laughs) It is. So we were meant to do it all clockwise, but then we just have no future plans. And I don't know whether that's a side effect of having cancer. We're just going with the flow. And everywhere we stop, Adam's like, ooh, we could live here. We want to at least do what resembles a lap. So visit all the places we want to visit before we stop traveling for a little bit. But there's so many families out there who are literally lappers. They just, their lifestyle is traveling constantly. They've gone around three or four times. Yeah. Do you think that's a very Australian thing? Yeah, I reckon it's quite Australian. I mean, there's a community out there. 
Okay, Carol, can you tell us a little bit about your setup that you've got? What is your home at the moment? Uh, So we have a caravan that we tow. So it's about 14 foot, the caravan. The top pops up, so it's like tent material around the top. At the back, there's some bunks for the kids. In the middle, you've got a kitchen area on one side and like an L-shaped sofa um, and a table to eat at or do schoolwork at. And then at the very front, there's a double bed. Wow. So quite cosy. Yeah. Yeah. And have you got a toilet in there? Sorry. No. But we have a porta potty. Right. So we carry a porta potty with us. We have an external shower as well. So there's a shower on the outside, which is warm. So we can have showers and we've got a little tent we can put up for the shower or the toilet. But the caravan itself has a solar panel on the top. So you're self sufficient and you can use everything except for the microwave and the air conditioning when you're off grid. People in the UK who have never been to Australia won't quite get the concept of just sell your house, get a caravan and travel around the country. The the weather is pleasant enough that you can basically have a shower outside pretty much any time of the year. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we've stayed at some amazing camps with amazing facilities. And obviously, you've got the big caravan parks over here with with the water slides and the massive amenities blocks you can do it how you like and you can keep the cost down but some of the most amazing campsites we've stayed on are just the national parks where you drive onto the beach you just put your van on the beach and you stay there for three or four days and just chill have fires on the beach that kind of thing and that's the kind of thing we really wanted to do for someone who's never done the whole camping or you know exploring parts of australia What would you say are the highlights? Where would you say you've got to see this or you've got to go there? There's a lot of obvious places like Cairns and the Barrier Reef. On the reef, they have these pontoons and you take your boat out to the pontoon. You spend all day on the pontoon. You can just jump in and out of the water and you can have the snorkels. They provide you lunch and you've got the whole day snorkeling on the reef. It's fantastic. What are you doing about the boys' schooling? We signed up with a distance education school. They send out these huge packages of worksheets and books. So we just get these packages every four weeks or so with all the work that they have to do. And we send the packages back. So we just kind of figure out where we're going to be. We give them a post office address and we just pick it up from the post office. Mm. Is this the fact that this service exists tells me that this is something that that happens quite a lot in Australia? I think originally the reason that it exists is because in Australia, being such a vast country, there are people on in farms that are nowhere near a school. They might own acres and acres of land that aren't anywhere near schools. So so that's why they're set up originally. But there's a growing community of people now using the schools for the travelling. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you plan to make Australia your long-term home when you came over here with your now husband? Yes, definitely. Because obviously he's from here. And I don't think I could convince my husband to live in the UK long-term. Oh, okay. Would Just, you? Probably. I mean, I could if I had to, but I don't think I would choose to, if that makes sense. I mean, I love the UK and I miss so much about the UK, but I think I can get what I want out of the UK for visits. And I love the lifestyle over here and the weather and everything. It's just got, you know. So you seem to be quite involved in lots of activities to do with raising awareness about breast cancer now. So, I mean, being diagnosed so young and it being such a shock... I mean, you just don't expect it in your 30s, do you? No. 
So I just wanted to put it out there, getting the message across that you should be checking from about 20. People under 20 get it as well. So, So Brave, they're a a breast cancer charity for women who are diagnosed with breast cancer under 40. Even from a doctor's perspective, they don't expect to be diagnosing young women. And a lot of the cases and a lot of the stories you hear, young women have to push to get their diagnosis and often are misdiagnosed. So I guess raising awareness is making people aware that it can happen at this age and also that if they are worried about symptoms, they might need to push to get a diagnosis or to get reassurance. Carol, how do you feel now and how has it changed the way that you look at life and how do you feel about what you've been through? Um, In some ways, it's enriched my life. It's made my life better. And I think when you're facing something like that, you have to pick your attitude because you need to pick the attitude that's going to get you through it. You can't wallow in it. I think going through something like that, it has a, a huge effect on you. It affects everything from the way you want to live your life um, to the way you feel about each moment. But at the same time, you do get some good things to come out of experiences like that. It makes you stronger and um, you want to make the most of it. So, I mean, I jump into crazy experiences now and I, I just kind of want to live life to the full. And I definitely just want to embrace every moment and spend as much quality time with my family as possible. Carol, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story with me. Um, I just think you're so brave. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's incredible. Since the recording of this podcast, Carol, her husband Adam and their two boys, Luke and Logan, have settled down in the coastal town of Busselton in Western Australia. So we've been everywhere except for the Northern Territory. Are you keeping your caravan then? Yes. It's parked on our driveway, ready to go. To find out what Carol's next adventure brings, you can follow her on social media. All the links are in the description wherever you're listening to this podcast and on the Brit Australian website. This episode is sponsored by British Travel, which specialise in travel between Australia and the UK and Europe. Whether you're a Brit looking to emigrate or you're a Brit Australian needing a flight home, check out British Travel. They offer payment plans on their flights so you can book now and spread the cost over 12 months. British Travel is owned and run by Jenny Bardsley, who's originally from Manchester and is now based in Perth. Jenny has more than 40 years' experience as a travel agent, both in Australia and the UK. Find British Travel on Facebook or go to their website, www.britishtravel.com.au. All the links are in the description wherever you're listening to this podcast and on the Brit Australian website. You can hear Jenny's story on season one of the Brit Australian podcast.